0: amen. On this Sunday in between, this Sunday in that space where we're between Christmas, it's not yet the new year. We're kind of at the close of one year, looking at the opening of a new year. We're at the opening of a new decade, but we're not quite there yet. Believe me, brothers and sisters, even though this is a Sunday that Youth pastors or associate pastors all over the country get the opportunity to preach. This is no throwaway Sunday. This is a Sunday we get to celebrate our living hope and the fact that God is with us. It really is an honor to be with you. If you don't know me, I'm Brad. I'm one of the associate pastors here. Grateful to be a part of this church family and welcome. Some of you may be here because you've traveled back to your hometown, kind of like Jesus at Bethlehem. Welcome, glad you're here today. Uh, Some are missing because they've traveled to their hometown. College students, uh, there may be some in today that are home for the the Christmas break. We're glad you're here. I'm gonna be talking specifically to us as believers today. If you're here, though, and you've kind of gotten apathetic, kind of gotten angry, maybe you don't care much, or if you're not a believer at all and you're just here because you're here with family or you're here for some reason that you don't even understand, I'm glad you're here. Please listen in. Please hear about this God who is with us into our future and what he has for us. I want you to listen in. And for all of us, I hope, I hope that we leave here today with a deepened trust in our Emmanuel, God with us, a renewed trust, or perhaps even a brand new trust in Emmanuel, God with us. We've seen that he's always with us in our pain, in our anxiety, in our worry, he's here always. We're gonna look at that a little bit more, our future, our future. In our future, there will be challenges. I mean, none of us knows. That's one thing we know about the future is that it is uncertain. It is indeed uncertain. This year, it's an election year. We're already into that, full swing. Political candidates, political parties, sparring. I mean, it hasn't really ended since the last election, it feels like. All the sparring and the fighting. Uh, There's always economic uncertainties. Is the NASDAQ gonna keep going up? Is it gonna drop? What's gonna happen? personal thing i mean that's on a broader scale but personal things i mean jobs uh, a year and a half ago when i started 2017 2 years ago when i started 2017 i didn't know that i would end up quitting my job i didn't know or 2018 i guess i didn't know there are uncertainties ahead of us for some people medical things. Some people are going to make a resolution. Some of you sitting right here are going to make a resolution, and you're going to work out more. You're going to run more. You're going to eat healthier, and you're going to be healthier this year, and that's great. But for some, there are going to be medical diagnoses that are not pleasant, that are not happy. Some will hit milestones like retirement or graduation. Some will see a new birth in their family. All of these things, we like to take and assess. And we do a thing called the line. We kind of draw this line. And sometimes we draw it out in front as we look ahead. Sometimes we draw it into the past as we look behind and we assess things. And we say, okay, everything that was above the line, it was good, it was positive, it was a plus. It was a good thing. And then everything below the line was bad. It was negative. It was, it was an unpleasant thing. We didn't, we didn't want to go through that thing, or we don't want to go through that possible thing. We tend to assess things like that, and then we look at the season we're in right now, or we look at the, the season, the year that we just came through, where we look ahead and we say, I hope it's a good year. Happy New Year, right? We want everybody to have a happy new year. I want more for us than that. Because happy is often, we often assess it like this. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with calling what's good, good, and calling what's bad, bad. There's nothing wrong with that. But we need to be careful in how we determine that, especially because what we can tend to do in these seasons, we can tend to look at those seasons when things are good and think, yep, God's with us. We can tend to look at the seasons where things are tough, where things are hard, and wonder, where is God? God may not be with me, we, we sometimes question. When things are good though, we can sometimes forget God. Things are going along well, we're on cruise control, we can kind of forget God. When things are bad, we think God's forgotten us, or we will even say, depending on how bad things get sometimes, Forget you, God. Sometimes we do that. That's the kind of thing that can happen when we assess it, when that's our ultimate assessment, when that's our final assessment. So today, I want to look more at God with us in the future and a better way to assess things. So look with me first. We're gonna look at some scriptures where it ties together God being with us in the future. And we'll look at what he says. So Romans 8, this is the first one. Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am sure that neither death nor life, neither angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing is going to separate us from the love of God. Nothing is going to separate us from the love of God. Nothing is going to separate us from the love of God. So what can separate us from the love of God? Nothing. Nothing. Thank you. Well done. This is a good conversation, right? Nothing can separate us. Again, the Bible is filled with with places that tell us of God's love for us. Basic truths, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. We've celebrated that at Christmas. We celebrated Easter, the rest of the verse, that he came to take our sins, that all who should believe in him will have life eternal, not perish. Psalm 105, one of my favorites, for the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. God's love for people permeates scripture. It permeates the Bible, runs all the way through it. And we celebrated that. So first, the first point, the first main thing that I want us to walk away with is to know the love and then feel the love. I use the expression feel the love because it's not wrong to feel the love. We'd like to feel the love. That's a good thing. But we need to know the love first. As we think about God with us in the future, in this verse, it's connected that his love is with us, he's with us. Those two are connected. And this is where it's going to take mental discipline. As you look ahead, it takes mental discipline, it also takes something called faith. Because what happens is we can look around at our circumstances and we can say, oh, it's good, or oh, it's bad. And we can neglect the peace that says, no matter our circumstances, know that he loves us. Know that he loves me. And we've all been there. We've all felt that. When things are in what we would consider a bad season, we've all felt that there's a, there's a hole, there's a lack. What's, what's going on? We've all felt that. Now, again, I wanna say to you, feelings aren't bad. Feelings aren't bad, but the knowing part comes first. The knowing part is what's gonna sustain you. And that's where things like being in his word on a regular basis, being part of a small group, being engaged with with people around scripture, that's gonna help you know for those times when the feelings may not be there. I want you to feel it. It's great when we feel, it's great when we worship, when we sing a song like we did this morning, about our living hope. That feels good. He is my living hope. Death has no hold on me. The grave has no hold on me. That feels good. But I have to remember that it's rooted in truth and not just the feeling of my current season in life. This is where I really have to choose. And, and again, some of you I talked to at the beginning, if you're here and you're, either kind of apathetic, ambivalent, or maybe even angry at God because of where you are currently. I mean, I get it, I, I don't wanna minimize those things that really are bad in our lives, I don't. Uh, our church family has seen some real suffering over the last year, and we will continue to see suffering, That things that we will need to grieve over together, to bear one another up. I don't make light of those hard things in our lives but this is where we can't allow ourselves, don't allow a friend to live in that place, to stay in that place where because of my circumstances, whatever this is, I don't feel God's love, so where the heck is he? He must have left me alone. He doesn't care about me. What that is doing in reality is calling God a liar. We look at that last verse that we just read, who says, nothing, nothing, nothing. You some of you answered it with me, nothing can separate us from God's love. And then we get in these funks where we see, oh, this circumstance, I'm separated. He's not with me. Again, we let ourselves kind of stay in this middle ground where we think we can hold on to that but still believe the Bible. What we're really doing, if we're honest with ourselves, and this is brutal, but if we're honest with ourselves, we're calling God a liar at that point. Don't let yourself stay in that spot. Don't let a friend stay there. Encourage them. Be tangible means of God's love to them. Love them through it. Now, again, I don't make light of where you are if you're in that spot right now, but don't let yourself stay there. Please don't. Know the love and feel the love. Now, the next scripture that we wanna look at where he ties together his presence with something else is Hebrews thirteen five. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I will never leave you or forsake you. What a promise. And here he ties it in with keeping your life free from the love of money. Now it's not conditional. It doesn't somehow mean, oh, if you love money, then he's not going to be with you. It's not a conditional thing that way, but he does tie it together. Because we are assured of God's unending presence, never leave us, never forsake us. He's saying because of that, we don't need to love money. We don't need to love money. Paul reiterates this idea in 1 Timothy 6, where he says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be proud, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. He says, tell those who have money, don't set your hopes on the uncertainty of money. Don't, in other words, love money to the point where it's an ultimate thing in your life. Ultimate things are never good unless it's God. We make money an ultimate thing when we try to get from money what it can never deliver. If we try to get security, a sense of, okay, my future is good because I have this amount of money in the bank, that is an uncertain hope. Money can never deliver on that promise because money can go away. If we, if we try to have money give us an unshakable identity, I'm, I'm good, I'm solid because of this, If we think money will guarantee our friendships or guarantee a certain level of respect or an entry into a certain community, again, money isn't certain, it can go away. When we seek our identity in money, it's not wise. And so he says, because I'll never leave you, because I will never forsake you, you don't need to do that. You don't need to love money, you can be content where you are. Now, of course, money can do a lot of good things. We can provide for our families with it. We can give it away to support God's work and missions, to support the church. Money isn't bad. Just don't expect from it what it cannot do. But it's not just money. Uh, Because he won't leave us, because he will never forsake us, we don't have to make anything into an ultimate thing. Now, again, I think we've all seen people do this. The that probably some of the easiest kind of examples we can think of are people who are movie stars. And we can probably think of several who have had it all, fame and fortune and success in their career. People around them that seem to love them and they take their own life. Anytime we try to make something an ultimate thing it will never deliver on its promises. It will never never deliver on what we hope of it. And because we have a God who's with us, we don't have to expect those things to be ultimate things. But it's not just the obvious things. It's things like having a happy marriage, having a spouse who's a certain way, having a child who's a certain way, having our family look a certain way. We can make those things actually into idols. And we see it, we can feel it when we get angry, we get upset when those things get threatened. Now again, I I want us all to have good marriages. I want us all to have good families and kids that grow up to follow the Lord. I, I want that, that's a good thing. But we can't ever put those things ahead of God and make them into ultimate things. We can't do that, we can't. Even life itself. It's a good thing to desire health and wholeness. But again, you've you've seen what happens if we place health in an ultimate place, then when that gets threatened, we question God. Why are you doing this, why? Again, it's not wrong to ask God questions, but it's good to look for the root. Am I questioning God because I've made something else an ultimate thing? And in this verse, we we can push it out, and recognize that he's saying, don't make anything else ultimate because God is with us forever. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. So the point here is love the right one. Oops, that went backwards. Sorry about that. Love the right one the one being Jesus, love the right one, love God the Father, love the Holy Spirit, love God. Let God be the ultimate one in your life. Love the right one, love other things with a lesser love. Love your spouses, love your kids, yes, I'm a fan of that. My family get, got to celebrate in a unique way this week in that on Friday night, um, one of our four daughters uh, got engaged. We want her to love her husband. We want her husband to love her well when they get married, hopefully this summer, I think is the plan. We want that for them, but I don't ever want my daughter to make her husband an ultimate thing. I want her to live in the security of God's love for her. So know the love and feel the love, love the right one, and then the next scripture is Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. Actually, a good translation of that is, as you are going, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So there's that promise, I am with you always. Jesus is saying, I'm with you always, but he's got it woven into, this is what I want you to do. It's not conditional, please again, God's love is not conditional. Keep in mind that first verse, know the love, know that he loves you whether you're doing his will or not. Know that he loves you whether you're following him or not. It's not conditional that he loves you, but he's saying, Look, this is what I want you to do, and as you're doing this, know that I love you. Know that I'm with you. It's tied to the idea of making disciples. Making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Now some are gonna make disciples locally, right here. Right here. You, you leave this building, some make disciples in this building. Some make disciples around the dinner table with your kids. Some make disciples as you teach school. You have to be careful how you do it, but you can do it. And I know many of you do. Well done to those of you that are doing that. Some as you run businesses or as you engineer biotech products, some as you talk to your neighbor across the back fence, make disciples. As you're going, wherever you're going, make disciples. And I'm with you, he says. Some though go around the world and make disciples. So please don't miss out. This, this thing we call the Great Commission, yes, does talk about going, but it's as you go. So it doesn't matter whether you're here, whether you travel far, as you're going, just make disciples, near and far, make disciples. That's his purpose. That's his purpose for us. So in this, in this statement about him being with us forever, He wants us to make sure that we're living with the right purpose. Live with the right purpose. That helps us keep all the events and all the circumstances of our life in the right perspective. It keeps everything in the right perspective. Which by the way, I chose that word without thinking about it. Uh, Heather Ward will be out in the foyer uh, at a table with some information about the perspectives course that you heard Jordan talk about on the table. Please, this this might be a good next step for you for 2020 to take another step in discipleship, to take another step in, okay, God, I know you're with me, so I have the freedom to step out. I'm gonna learn more about how your purpose is fulfilling itself in this world today, how it's done it historically, culturally, strategically, how it's doing it today. Uh, If you want more information, talk to Heather in the foyer or look on our website. It's a class that is well worth it a course that's well worth it. And it's, it's different. A lot of times we just offer stuff for free. This time it's, it's sort of us hosting the class, so there is a fee for it. But like Jordan said, speakers come in from all across the country. Uh, there's one lady that's coming in that we don't even know her real name. Because of the background she has, she has to use a pseudonym online. And so we don't even know her real name, but she'll come in and teach one of the nights. Uh, it's well worth, it. it changed my life when I took it 25 years ago, and I look forward to taking it again. So again, as we're talking about living with the right purpose, we have to remember what that purpose is. And I alluded to this before, my, my hope for you and God's purpose for you is not that you have a happy new year, it's not. It's okay to say that, please don't like, don't get legalistic about it. But that's not my hope that you have a happy new year. My hope is that you have a Jesus-centered year. A Jesus-centered year, meaning that we keep his purpose in mind, like Romans eight twenty-eight, a few verses earlier than one of the ones we looked at earlier, where he says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, sometimes we feel like that verse can't be right. We've talked about this. When, when things are below that line, we feel like, ah, I don't know how this is going to work for his purposes. But what he's saying is that all things, whether we assess it as above the line, as a good thing, a positive thing, a happy thing, or whether we assess it as below the line, a negative thing, a bad thing. And again, there really are bad things in this world, I know, but he's saying all of those things. If you love me, I'll work them for good in your life. Meaning I will grow you closer to me. I will conform you more and more to my own image, Jesus says. That's a good thing. Our goal is not just to have a happy new year. Our goal is to be conformed to the image of Christ. In the end of Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. There will be an outcome in your life that is going to end on what we would all consider a positive note. There will be an outcome there will be a conclusion to your life that will be good because your life will resemble christ in his completed form what a beautiful thing that will be we just have to keep in mind that he will use all of it the top of the line stuff and the bottom of the line stuff he'll use all of it to conform you to his image to help you as you're trying to live for the right purpose So where are you right now in this in-between Sunday, between Christmas, before the new year, before the new decade, where are you? Are you in a top season? Are you in a bottom season? Where are you? I challenge you right now. We're gonna head into a closing prayer soon, but I challenge you right now to say, okay, God, this is where I am. This is where I am. Help me to know your love. And then I'd like to feel it if I can. Help me to love you most and help me to live on purpose with the right purpose, no matter the season of life you're in, no matter. And I'm convinced then in the end, we may have tough times this year. None of us wants to hope for tough times, but we can trust him with the tough times when we know he's with us when we know he will always be with us, that he will never forsake us, never leave us. Let's pray. Lord, Corey Ten Boom said, "'Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God.'" So we we need you, Lord, right here in South Whitley and Cherubusco and Fort Wayne and Warsaw, Columbia City and all around the world you have promised that you're with us and you're not a liar you're with us right now you always have been and you always will be so help us Lord as we assess our our last year 2019 as we look back at this last decade Lord I hope that we can be growing in trust of you, that whether it's a top-of-the-line season or a bottom-of-the-line season, that you've brought us through. And as we look ahead, Lord, help us. If we're gonna make any kind of resolution, help us resolve to trust you more, to let our trust deepen that you're with us and that you will bring to completion what you're doing in our lives. And that because of that, It will be a good year, not just if it's pleasant and not bad, but because of your presence with us. Right now, Lord, I pray that we would do that. Help me to do that. Thank you, Lord, for this church family. Thank you for the hope of a new year. Thank you that you love us, that you'll never forsake us. And it's in your great name that we pray, amen. Thank you. And I do hope that you have a Jesus-centered new year. Blessings.